You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, Now, marriage may be the hardest thing we do, but parenting is the most important thing we do. It really is the most important thing you do. And I know those of you that are in the middle of it right now, you think that it is just this unbelievable hard task that lasts forever. When I first found out, I was about 19 years old, and I found out we were going to have a baby. And I thought, I'm responsible for this child for the next 18 years, and that seemed like a long time. In fact, it seemed like forever. And then I turned around now, and I look at the years that I spent raising children, and it was that quick. Now, for those of you in the room that are young like that, I heard old people like me say the same thing. And I thought, whatever, because I was in the middle of living it. So many times when you're in the middle of something, you forget how important it is. You forget the magic of it. You forget that children are actually a blessing from God. Now, I was an incredible youth minister, and when I was a youth minister, I had all the parenting advice down. I mean, when I was first, second year in college, I I tell you what, man, I knew everything about raising teenagers. It was amazing. You needed any help raising teenagers, you come to me, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Then all of a sudden, I had teenagers. (laughs) And all my theories went right out the window. It's like, you know, you're prepared for a fight till you get smacked in the mouth. Am I telling you the truth? And so for all of that, just understand that as we talk about parenting today, we have to follow it with grace. We are all imperfect. We all have failed. We all have yelled. And we all have regrets. Our job right now for me is to share with you from the Word of God how to limit the number of regrets you have in your life. And then also know that you're going to fail. We just want to limit the failures. We want to limit, and this sounds horrible, how much damage we do to our kids. Because they're the only things that last after us. Everything else disappears. The only legacy we keep in our life is our children and what we taught our children. So I understand that many of you are in the middle of parenting, and, and those of you that don't know me well, we, we've had, we have five children. And those five children, I mean, we went through all the different stages, and, and I remember bringing that first child home, and, and, and we were, like I said, we were very young. And I remember in the hospital, they said, okay, you can bring the child home, bring her back in like three months. And we panicked. We're like, what? We, we'll kill this child in three months. And the doctors looked at our face and goes, okay, well, you can come back in a month for a checkup. And I remember getting that child home and having no clue what we were doing. It was a nightmare. It was in July in Texas, but we were afraid the baby would get cold. So we wrapped that baby in so many blankets. Next morning, woke up, the baby had a red rash all over her. Took her down to the mother-in-law, thank God she was with us. And we said, we broke it. And she's like, that's a heat rash. I'm like, oh, maybe because we put 10 blankets on her. And my mother-in-law said something real important. She's a human. If you're cold, she's cold. If you're hot, she's hot. And so that was our first advice as a parent is that we're raising little humans. But all of you, if you've been through multiple children, you know, when you have two, it's one-on-one. When you have three, you go into a zone defense and it's a whole different world. But after you learn the zone defense, it don't matter how many children you have, it works out. When you have that first child, there's some things that happen in your life. For women, when you find out you're pregnant, that first child, and the doctor confirms it, as soon as you find out that that's, it's, this is going to be a baby, what do you do? You go put on maternity clothes. 
You're so excited. You just cannot wait. Then the second baby comes around. And you're like, I'm not putting those maternity clothes on until I have to. You're like tying a string around it. And I mean, you're doing everything you can to stay out of the maternity clothes. And then don't take this wrong. By your third child, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I said don't take it wrong. It, with all respect, you know how you can say that and then follow it with anything. So there's changes in the way you have your baby. Preparing for birth. I remember our first child. We went to all these classes, you know, and, and they taught her how to breathe. And I was her coach. And so I'm helping her. Man, we're doing it. Man, we got it. We got it. We got it. On the second child, we remembered that the breathing didn't work at all. So we didn't even think about it. The third child, my wife asked for an epidural in her eighth month. It's just get rid of the pain. I understand that. At home, you bring that first baby home, and man, you spend a good part of your day every day just gazing at that baby. Am I right? The second baby, you spend a little bit of time every day making sure the older baby's not killing the younger baby. And then by the third baby, you spend a little time every day hiding from your children. So that's just parenting. Parenting has different stages uh, that all the kids go through. And our job as a parent is to help them through each stage of that life. And in the first stage, from zero to five, what we're doing is we're teaching our kids discipline. I mean, we're teaching them discipline. Discipline. You have to teach them there are consequences to their actions. And that's why it's so important to be consistent. It's so important to set those boundaries because kids are looking for those boundaries. They want those boundaries. They need those boundaries. And so for the first five years, you set the consequences up for your children and you talk with them and you, you reason with them. When they get to about five to 12, what you're doing is you're training. You know, it's not all discipline, it's training. You're training kids what to do. You're training kids why we do the things we do. And there needs to be some explanation. Some of you parents love the fact, because I said so, that's really not good training. Good training is getting down on the level with the child and helping them understand. One of the best things we can do in parents, and I wish I'd have done it more when my kids were little, is try to find out what they're feeling. There may be a reason they're doing the things they're doing, and unless you get down on their level and just try to find out what they're feeling, that's the training. And the training is probably the hardest time because you really need to pay attention because they're getting on your every last nerve. And all you want to say is, because I said so, because I said so, because I said so. But these kids are trying to learn why we do what we do. And so I encourage you to get down at eye level and ask that child what they're feeling. Not just you're supposed to share, but why don't you want to share? No, you're not supposed to hit, but why do you want to hit? Talk with your kids. It's an incredible time because right after this, you move into more of a coaching role. And the coaching role is hard. From, from 12 to 18, you start being on the sidelines as a parent. And then you're trying to connect with your kids because they're really not as interested in you as they were. And then something happens. You stop being the most important person in their world. I remember just vividly, my daughter came home and, and she had been in, in her Sunday school class and she came home and she's telling me the story, what'd you learn today? Well, we talked about Noah and she had this little thing. Noah came and he you know, got the, the animals on the ark two by two. Well, you know, I spent my whole life studying the Word of God, right? I mean, I'm, I've been to seminary. I, I spent 13 years out of high school in theological education. I've read the Bible. And so as the pastor of the church, I wanted to give her correct theology. Now, some of you may learn something today. First of all, Noah only brought animals two by two of unclean animals. 
by clean animals, he brought them in by seven. Now, some of you, I just blew you completely away. But she came and she told me, no, it's two by two. I said, no, baby, the clean animals he brought in seven and then the uh, unclean animals were two by two. And she looked at me and goes, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm like, what? My Sunday school teacher said, and I realized, whoa, I've taken a back seat. So 12 to 18, you're trying to engage, but your children are starting to turn to teachers, to coaches, to peers. And then by the time they get around 18, some 19, some 27, you get to the point... <laughs> that you just become friends with your kids. And that's really a great time. When you're friends with your kids, you just want to be around them, you just enjoy them, and they're adults. And that, that's the best time. That's the goal. The goal of every parent is to get that child to that point where you can actually be friends. Each day has its positives and negatives, but the one thing I want you to understand is we all fail. We all yell. And we all have regrets. So before I get too far into this, I don't want you sitting here beating yourself up. I don't want you sitting here thinking of all the things, especially those of us who've already done it. I can only remember the things I did wrong. Very rarely do I remember the things I did right. Very rarely do I sit back with a smug smile going, man, I got that right. But I remember every word that I said that I shouldn't have said. I remember everything that I did that I shouldn't have did. I remember all the things that hurt my children instead of help my children. So if you're there today, I want you to just understand the grace of God, the love of God. I want you to understand that I, every parent in the room feels like a failure. If anybody tells you they got the parenting thing down, they're lying to you. There is no such thing. All of us fail, all of us yell. And so just please remember that as we go through it. I want to take you to the Word of God because that's where we find you know, advice to live on. That's how we find how to live our lives in a better way. Uh, but the problem when you go to the Word of God is there's not a lot of families in the Bible that aren't dysfunctional. That should give you some encouragement. We talked about Noah. He got drunk. And his kids, it was, that was a bad situation. Abraham, not a great role model. I mean, he told everybody his wife was his sister and sent his wife to go live with the king. Not a great role model. You know what I'm saying? David, all kinds of problems in that relationship, problems with his children all the way through. So we finally get to the New Testament and you got Jesus' parents. What did they do? Left him in Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. But when you look at the Word of God, it gives you some instructions. And so today, I'm going to turn to a passage in Isaiah chapter 39. And in Isaiah, there's a story of a king named Hezekiah. And as I talk about Hezekiah, I want you to understand this is not about parenting, but there's some concepts in this story that I believe fit each of us in parenting. I believe there are three mistakes we make in parenting, and you're going to see these three mistakes in the story of Hezekiah. Those three mistakes is we forget our blessing, we also... Uh, neglect our child for other things, and then finally, we don't take God's word seriously. So let me tell you a story. Hezekiah was a king in the southern kingdom. For those of you that aren't familiar, Israel uh, had, a, had a civil war and split into two different kingdoms. The southern kingdom followed the line of David, and so they had the uh, capital in Jerusalem. Hezekiah, they said, was a great king. He was a good king because he followed in the line of David. He was a good man. He loved the Lord. He tore down all the pagan worship and, and he did, made great decisions. He actually built something that is still there today. He built a tunnel. The, the water for the community was on the outside of the wall and he built an underground tunnel and that tunnel stretched for a long way. He started on two separate ends and they met in the middle. 
Incredible. They brought the water source inside the wall so they could stand uh, if someone came against them and, and surrounded them, they had fresh water. Uh, you can still walk in that tunnel today, which is absolutely amazing. So Hezekiah was this great king. Hezekiah came to a point in his life and he got very, very sick. He got so sick that everyone knew he was about to die. So he called his preacher. His preacher was Isaiah. Came in and said, you know, consult the Lord for me, please. Isaiah's like, yep, you're going to die. Hezekiah began to beg the Lord. Please, just let me have more years, please. And God granted that request by a miracle. God blessed him with 15 more years. Now, here's the tricky part. The world at that time heard this miracle. Because whatever was wrong with him, he should be dead. So all these other kingdoms started trying to see what in the world happened? How did that happen? What's going on? There's a powerful king from Babylon that decided he wanted to hear the story. And so he sent an envoy down to Jerusalem and he brought a gift for Hezekiah and they wanted to hear the story. Well, Hezekiah neglected to talk about the blessing from God. Hezekiah didn't talk about the fact that God had healed him. Hezekiah was so impressed that this important king had come to see him and brought him a gift that he began to show these men around his palace. He showed them the temple. He showed them the treasury. He showed them everything in his kingdom. He showed them the viaduct that brought the fresh water in. He showed them everything. Never once did he Bless, tell them the blessing of God. Now, he had an opportunity as the people of God to share this Jehovah God with this foreign country and to talk about how great their God was. But instead of doing that, he neglected God and focused on himself. Then, Isaiah, his preacher, comes back. Says, what have you done? You didn't share the blessing of God? You showed them everything? Well, God says, because you've done that, there will come a time when your children's children will be carried into slavery, will be deported, will serve as eunuchs in that king's palace, and everything you have will belong to him. He's confronted. And Hezekiah makes a big mistake. He says, oh, well, that's after my lifetime, so what do I care? says what the Lord said is good because he knew he'd have peace during his lifetime and he wasn't concerned about the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. He neglected the word of God. So how does that apply to us? We see the same three mistakes in parenting. The first mistake many of us make is we forget our child's a blessing. Now, I've met some of your kids. I understand (laughs) why you would think Your child is not a blessing, but we've got to remember that it is really a miracle from God that anybody has a child. It's incredible. In Psalms 127.3, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. And some of you in that first year of life, when you're getting up every night at two o'clock in the morning, it does not seem like a reward. It seems like a punishment. And as we go through the stages of parenting, sometimes instead of remember they're a blessing, they frustrate us. They frustrate us. How many times do I have to tell you? How many times? Over and over and over. And we let that frustration well up in our lives. We forget sometimes that our kids are kids. I see it everywhere I go. We want our kids to act like adults. They're children. 
their children. I don't want to eat my vegetables. <laughs> their children. They want to run. They want to play. They're not thinking about their surroundings. They're doing everything they can. They are dangerous. It's our job to provide structure without frustration. We need to know our kids are kids and let them act like it. I mean, the worst thing we can do is tell a kid to sit down and be quiet. We need to understand that they're children. We get frustrated. And when that frustration wells up, we get negative. When you get negative, you say stupid things to your kids. Let me tell you something. I told my kids a million times how special they were. The stupid things I said out of frustration and negativity, they've held on to all their life. Now, I don't mean to discourage you, but they remember those times. When I was at wit's end, when I was frustrated. Now, remember, we all yell, we all fail. But man, they hold on to that. And so our job as parents is to limit those amount of times as much as possible. You're still gonna fail, but that, remember they're a blessing. And if you can kind of get in the idea that they are a blessing, even when they're teenagers, if you can get that in your head, you'll have more grace. You think God gets frustrated with you ever? Aren't you glad that God doesn't talk to you the way you talk to them? Think about that for a minute. The same grace that God gives to us, we need to make sure to give to our children. The second mistake Hezekiah made is he neglected his children for himself. He, he neglected his blessing. He neglected to share the blessing of God because he was so wrapped up in they think I'm somebody. Many of us neglect our children for other things. Instead of seeing them as a blessing, instead of doing what we need to do with them, we start neglecting them because we make it about us. We make it about our hobbies. We take it about our goals. We make it about our dreams. Some of you, you become to the point that you just turn into ambulance parents. You're an ambulance parent because you rescue your kids from everything. Your kid, nothing can do nothing wrong. Your kid is perfect in every way. I've had people tell me, my child doesn't lie. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Yes, your child lies. We have a group of parents that neglect their children so much because they live through that child that they think their child does no wrong. It's always the teacher's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the other parent's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Instead of taking responsibility and saying, what do I need to do in my child's life? What discipline? What training? What coaching do I need to do right now? Right. Don't rescue your kids. Your kids are going to make stupid mistakes and they need to accept the consequences of those mistakes. That's what life is. And you got kids heading off to college who've never had to face up to consequences and they don't understand it because the professor could care less whether they show up or not for class. Don't be an ambulance parent. Other parents, you become passive. You become so involved in you, whether it's your occupation, you spend all these hours at work because you, you want to make 10000 extra dollars a year. And so you miss all the things going on in their life because you're trying to provide for them. Let me explain something. My children don't remember any of the gifts I bought them. But they remember me being there for their events. They remember my son picked a communist sport, soccer. <laughs> <clears throat> and us Texans don't want our kids to play soccer, so we put it at the worst time of the year. Let's play soccer outside when it's cold. And even in Texas, it gets cold. Some of you learn that. And I remember sitting, I've never been colder than at soccer games in my entire life. 
I was so cold one time that I was in a sleeping bag and I had a butane heater and I seriously thought about putting the butane heater in the sleeping bag with me. <laughs> and my wife's like, what if it catches fire? I'll be warm for a few minutes <laughs> before I'm in incredible pain. But my children remember me being there for them. That is so much more important. We do our own things and we forget how quick they grow up. We have to have our time, our hobbies, our things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do things for yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're not doing things for couples. We'll talk about all that later. But don't neglect your children. Don't sit them in front of the TV or give them a phone to keep them busy. I wish you knew. I wish you knew how quick it happens. My wife and I talk a lot about Man, if we could go back. Now, we don't want to go back for the whole thing. <laughs> but if we could go back for a day, oh, that day would be perfect. We'd have those kids. We'd just love on them and hug them. We'd let them sleep with us when they want. We'd do everything because it's such a precious time. So don't miss it by being more concerned about what you're doing. Be passive. Some of you are passive in another way. Some of you are passive by letting your kids be in charge. Some of you are passive because you do whatever your kids want. And you want to make your kids happy. And you constantly reason with them. And now, honey, Johnny, listen, your kid is a savage. He's not going to make a good decision. He's not going to make a great choice. You can't let your kids run your house. That's being passive too. That's not stepping up and being the parent that God's called you to be. And that goes into some of you parents trying to be the kid's best friend. God didn't call you to be your child's best friend. As teenagers, you're not going to be liked. And if you are, you're doing something wrong more than likely. I had parents when my kids grow up say, well, I let the kids drink in my home where they're safe. What? Are you out of your mind? And some of you may have said that. If the child's not 21, it's against the law, period. I don't care what you think about that. And I know my kid never going to your house. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. We need to be aware you're not called to be your kid's best friend. You're called to be their parent. And they need you to be their parent. Now, some of you have turned this parenting into an occupation and a profession. Some of you are professional parents and parenting is a competitive sport. You're trying to outdo everybody else. My child got on this select team. He plays 92 games a year. Listen, I've seen it. I've lived in Ellis County a long time. Can't even play rec league anymore because everybody can throw the balls on the select team. I've watched it. And I can get real upset about this because I see kids that are run to death and they go from place to place to place and every night of the week there's a practice, every night of the week there's something going on and the best thing about the pandemic was some of you had to slow down. Some of you had to eat together. You didn't even know what that was. Had to clear the table off. And as things pick back up, which I'm so glad they're picking back up, I hope you don't go back into professionally raising your kids to be competitive. It is not as important as you think it is. I watch some of your families. and You got your kids in so many things. And they don't go to church. And they don't come to church camp. And they don't go on mission trips. And then they're 16 years old making poor choices and you bring them to the church and it's too late. Now, I don't say this, but I want to say, ask the coach to help you because... You've been too busy. 
You've been too busy. Oh, I didn't. It got really quiet in here, didn't it? <laughs> Listen, if that convicted you, let that convict you. Just don't get angry. It doesn't affect me one way or another. We made choices with our kids. You have to make choices with yours, but I'm telling you, they remember it's more important that they sit around the table than they play around the field. Just remember that. One last thing. We saw Hezekiah not take God's word seriously. And in 586 BC, the Babylonians came down and they surrounded Jerusalem. They knew where the aqueduct was. They cut off fresh water to the city. They began to starve them out. In fact, Hezekiah's descendants got so hungry that they, wanted, they started cannibalism. They were starving to death because Hezekiah refused to listen to the word of God. Now, why did God send Isaiah to talk to Hezekiah? Because if Hezekiah would have taken the word of God seriously, he could have got on his knees, repented, and God would have forgiven him because nothing's impossible with God. Change can happen. And so I want to encourage you to take the word of God seriously in your life. Change is possible. No matter where you are today in this parenting thing, change is possible. You heard the story today, didn't you? A lot of years. A lot of years. But change is possible. And they have an opportunity to do things right. I want to leave you with seven things. Seven things to help you with your kids. And just going to go through them really quickly. The first thing I want you to remember is your child's a blessing. Remember that. They're a reward. I want you to remember your child is your responsibility. Hear me. Not the teachers. Not the coaches. Not the church. You want your child to know and grow and learn it's your job don't pass it off to others I want you to understand the point of parenting the entire point of parenting is to take a heathen and turn them into something godly that's it that's, that's the whole job take a heathen and turn them into a godly person listen your kids need Jesus now I want to talk to online people really quickly and some of you may be in, in the room I love online. I do. I think it's incredible. I meet people all the time who say, hey, we've been going to your church online. We have people all over the country that join the avenue online. That's exciting. I love that. But if you're in this area and you have children under the fifth grade, online doesn't work. And I'll tell you why. Even if they watch it with you, they're not watching. In fact, you hand them your phone so they can keep quiet. They can't do it. And you can teach them, Jesus, yes, it's your responsibility, but they need the church. They need brick and mortar. They need to come together and be in community. They need a, a teacher who's going to teach them the word of God. They need You need that as, a, as an addition to what you're doing at home. It's so important. Remember, we're raising a generation in this church that loves Jesus and loves the church and is going to change the world. And we can't do that through online. And so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm saying maybe you're still scared, but soon get them here. In the building here, in the building in Ennis. If you live too far away, find a church in your area where your kids can get connected, plugged in. They need Jesus. Kids are vulnerable. You need to protect them. Know who they're around, know who they're with. 
watch them. Little secret parents, your phone, don't just track them on your phone if you got teenagers. If I'd have been a teenager during these time, I'd have had three burner phones. Now, I'm not trying to give you any ideas, but I'd have left the phone wherever I was supposed to be because I was smart like that. Your kids are smarter than I am. So find out where they are. Well, I respect their privacy. What privacy? There's no such thing. Only privacy my kids get is a bathroom door shut. That's it. No privacy whatsoever. There's no such thing. No such thing. Remember this, God loves your child more than you do. There's going to be times you have to hold on to that. Because children are going to grow up. And they're going to reach an age that you have no control in their life. You don't have a say. And they're going to do things and make choices that you don't like. And as a parent, you have to sit back and know God has them. Because you prayed for them. And you loved them. And you trained them in the way they should go. And God's going to take care of the rest. Finally, our goal, enjoy your kids. Enjoy them. This afternoon, enjoy your kids. Take them for ice cream. Take them to the park. Do something where you get to enjoy them and make that part of your everyday experience. Told you everything I know about parenting. We all fail. We all yell. We all have regrets. Let's just limit how many regrets we have. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.